teaches the physical resurrection of the body. The Jews believed this, the scriptures taught this, and our Lord himself was raised from the body that was nailed to the cross. Well, you remember in Luke chapter 24, the Lord said to the disciples, Behold my hands, it is I myself. Likewise in John chapter 20 and in Matthew 28, we have this question of the Lord revealing himself, showing them that the very body that was nailed to the cross was the body in resurrection, which gives to us the guarantee of all that Christ did for us. And how wonderful to know that you and I are sure of our salvation, sure of standing in the presence of God, sure of our relationship to Christ because God raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. Or putting it in a little different term, God, by the resurrection of Christ, was telling you personally that he has accepted Jesus Christ in all his work for you, that God is pleased and satisfied with the work of his Son and he wants you to be pleased and satisfied with the work of his son. And you do that by putting your trust in him. We agree with God that Christ is the real savior, the only savior. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In this third installment of the Biblical doctrine of the physical resurrection of the body from the dead, Dr. Mitchell will be teaching this lesson on the physical resurrection of the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, in speaking of the body of Christ the Church, he declares the hope of the individual Christian, which is to be with Christ. Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. He also speaks of the hope of the Church collectively found in Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Now all us believers in Christ have our citizenship in heaven, from which we eagerly await the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let's rejoice in the hope of this resurrection out from among the dead with our teacher, Dr. Mitchell, here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Thank you. Good day, friends. We're dealing with this wonderful truth of resurrection. And we have declared in our past lessons of the fact that the Bible teaches the physical resurrection of the body. The Jews believed this, the scriptures taught this, and our Lord himself was raised from the body that was nailed to the cross. 
Well, you remember in Luke chapter 24, the Lord said to the disciples, Behold my hands, it is I myself. Likewise, in John chapter 20 and in Matthew 28, we have this question of the Lord revealing himself, showing them that the very body that was nailed to the cross was the body in resurrection, which gives to us the guarantee of all that Christ did for us. And how wonderful to know that you and I are sure of our salvation, sure of standing in the presence of God, sure of our relationship to Christ because God raised him from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. Or putting it in a little different term, God, by the resurrection of Christ, was telling you personally that he has accepted Jesus Christ in all his work for you that God is pleased and satisfied with the work of his Son, and he wants you to be pleased and satisfied with the work of his Son. And you do that by putting your trust in him. In other words, we agree with God that Christ is the real Savior, and I might add, the only Savior. Well, why do you say he's the only Savior? Because he was the one who was raised from the dead. God marked him out from everybody else by the resurrection from the dead. Now, let's come along with respect to God's people. I want to speak today concerning the resurrection of God's people. Now, today God is doing just one thing. Let me get one or two things clear in your mind, first of all. Since the resurrection and glorification of our Savior, until he comes for his own, the rapture of the church, God is doing just one thing in the world. He is not dealing with nations. God is dealing with individuals. He's dealing with you, and he's dealing with me. God is gathering out a people for his name. You find this in the book of Acts, chapter 15. God is visiting the Gentiles to take out of this a people for his name. And after he's through doing that job, he's going to return and do something else. Now, first of all, He's not dealing with nations. Quite often I have people say to me, why, Mr. Mitchell, why doesn't God step into the picture here? Here we have all over the world, we've got an unrest, we've got a lawlessness, we have suffering, we have death. Why doesn't God do something? My friend, let me say very frankly, if God were to deal with nations today, he would have to deal with them in judgment. And I'll be very frank and tell you, I do not want to be on the earth when God deals in his wrath with the nations of the earth. God today is dealing in grace with individuals. God is pleading for individuals, irrespective of color or tribe or tongue, no matter who they are or what they are or where they are, the Lord today is dealing with individuals. He wants men and women to accept his son as their savior. Now, the moment a person accepts the Savior, he becomes a member of the body of Christ. I'm speaking now from using scriptural terms here. He becomes a member of the church, which is the body of Christ. This is made up of all kinds of believers. Now, I'm not speaking of the fact that uh, the denominational churches or your church or some other local church, I'm talking about there is the body of Christ made up of every Christian from the day our Lord was raised from the dead until now. 
every real believer, irrespective of who they are or what they are, if they're putting their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, they become members of the Church of Christ. As 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, we were baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. This is an act of the Spirit of God putting believers into the body of Christ. Now, there is a hope for the individual Christian, and there is a hope for the church at large. Let me put those two things together, may I? Individually, we Christians have a hope, and collectively, we Christians have hope. First of all, individually. What happens to a Christian when he leaves this world? In other words, what is the hope of the individual Christian? Well, the hope of the individual Christian is to be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul could say, for example, in the book of Philippians, let me read, especially from verse 20 down through verse 24, where Paul says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. But to me to live, Christ, to die is gain, or to die is to be with Christ. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I, I don't know. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Now what Paul is saying is this. If I had my choice, I'd rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord. For to be with the Lord is far better. To live is wonderful. To be with the Lord, said the Apostle Paul, is far better. Now that's the individual hope of the believer, to be with the Lord. You know, I've been with Christians when they left the world. And, and for some reason or other, I just wanted to go along with them to see something of the, of the footage of the Spirit of God in their lives when they live in anticipation. In fact, I've had Christians say to me, Mr. Mitchell, please don't pray that I'll get well. I want to go home. We have some Christians here in Portland are just living in anticipation of going home. What do they mean? You mean they're looking forward to death? No, no, they're not looking forward to death. They're looking forward to being with the Lord. They may have to go through the avenue of death, but death's a defeated fall because they say good night, earth, and good morning, glory. This is the hope of the individual believer, to be with the Lord, which is far better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, do you remember those wonderful words in 2 Corinthians 5? He starts off, We know if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Did you hear that? We know if our earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved, if this body dies and goes back to dust, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Then he goes on down to verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, 
we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we are ambitious, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. You see, this is the hope of the individual believer, to say good night, earth, good morning, glory, to exchange faith for sight, to exchange weakness for power. Isn't it wonderful to know that an individual believer, the moment we leave this scene, go right into the very presence of God? You know, as a pastor, I've had to do with a great deal with God's people, not only in their sufferings and in their sadness and their sorrows, but also with them when, as I say, when they left this world for heaven. That's the nearest I have come to heaven. When they've said, good night, earth, and good morning, glory. To see the calmness and the peace that comes over their faces as they've entered the presence of the Lord. I tell you, my friend, I meet people who are out of Christ and they try to console themselves by saying, when we're dead, we're dead. But I tell you, that's not so. That's not so. The eternal God has declared, it is appointed unto men once to die. After that, judgment. That's for all men. But for the Christian, today, God is doing a new thing. He's taking men and women who are sinners and transforming them into saints. I didn't say they were saintly. I said he's transforming them into saints. He takes men and women like you and me who are children of wrath like everybody else and he transforms us into the children of God. And death has become a defeated foe. No fear. No fear. You know, this is a wonderful thing. Oh, if I'm talking to some of you oldest Christian friends, you don't know much about the gospel, possibly. You don't know much about the word of God, but you put your trust in the Savior. You belong to him. You're a child of God. And even though you're weak and in frailty and failing, oh, what a prospect is yours. The moment you leave this scene, you go right into the very presence of the Lord. Just think of the joy of seeing him whom having not seen we love. Just think of seeing the one who died for you. Just think of seeing the Lord, not in humiliation, but to see him in his glory. Glorified with all the glory of the omnipotent God. Oh, friend, what a prospect. What a hope. What a hope. To say, good night, earth. Good morning, glory. And then to know there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more heartache. There'll be no more weakness. There'll be no more suffering to immediately be ushered in the presence of the Lord. And as Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, have a desire to depart and to be with the Lord, which is far better. Isn't that wonderful? And I know I'm talking to, to men and women who possibly have lived their lives. You're shut in. and Maybe you're sick in body. Maybe you're in the hospital. But if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you go immediately into the presence of God. Well, what about my sins, you say? Christ died to put away your sins. And he guaranteed that to you by his resurrection. And if I'm talking to some who have never accepted the Savior and you're worried about the future, my friend, listen, 
The Lord has never yet turned anybody away. In fact, Jesus said, He that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. In fact, he says to to you, my friend, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest and give you the prospect, not only of eternal life, but of seeing him face to face. To live is wonderful, says Paul, but to be with the Lord is far better. I just trust that you're trusting the Savior and have this personal wonderful hope of seeing him face to face. Now, that's the hope of the individual believer. Now, what is the hope of the church at large? This is what we want to get. What about the church? Now, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, we read there that the church is a heavenly company of people. While the apostle writes, our citizenship is in heaven. That's a pretty nice thing to know, isn't it? Our conversation, the old English version says, our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our bodies and fashion them like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Remember that every Christian is guaranteed a transformation. And this will take place at the coming of the Lord. The hope for the church is the coming of the Lord. The hope for the individual believer is to see the Lord face to face. For example, day after day, individual believers are going home to glory. But the church is still here. Every Christian, real Christian, belongs to the church. I don't care what denomination you're in in that sense. If you belong to Christ, you belong to the church, and you are in Christ. And by the way, may I just stress this for a moment? About 36 times in the New Testament, it speaks of a relationship between those who have trusted the Savior that we are in Christ Jesus. This this question of union with Christ. In other words, we are just as eternal as the Son of God. I say this reverently. That's why Paul could say, for example, in, in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is a relationship. This is a union with him. You can't be any other place but in Christ. And if Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, then you can be assured of resurrection you're going to be assured of eternal glory. This is what he's saying. I repeat it 36 times in the New Testament. Christians are seen in Christ. Now, what is the hope of the church then at large? The hope of the church is the coming of Jesus Christ for his own. Allow me to quote to you from the fourth chapter of 1 Thessalonians. It starts at verse 13 when Paul says, We do not sorrow as the rest which have no hope, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not go ahead of those who are asleep. For the Lord himself 
shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, to be forever with the Lord. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to the end of the chapter. Listen to this passage now, the same wonderful chapter on resurrection where Paul writes, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. This is what's going to happen, friend. This is the hope of the church. They're going to be transformed. They're going to be made just like the Savior. As you have it over in Corinthians 15, Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Then he goes on down to verse 23. But every man in his own order. He's talking about resurrection. Every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits. That's already taken place. Afterward, the next thing on the program of God is they that are Christ's at his coming. At the resurrection, transformation, and translation of the church. And then I read, then cometh the end. You come at the end where you've got the resurrection unto judgment. This is the order that we have on resurrection. Christ the firstfruits. Afterward, they that are Christ's at his coming. That would be the first resurrection. And I'm going to speak more of that a little later on the question of who takes part in the first resurrection. Does it cover a period of time? And then at the end of the kingdom will be the second resurrection. And this is a resurrection and a judgment. God has it already planned. God has a purpose. He's already planned this question of resurrection. And each one in his own order. I repeat it again, it is not a general resurrection. But the Lord Jesus is the first fruits of them that slept. Then comes those who are Christ's at his coming. That is, when he comes for his own, which we read to you a moment ago. And then at the end of the kingdom, you've got the resurrection unto judgment. That's a broad scope uh, of the purpose of God in resurrection. And friend, I would like to ask you the question, are you ready for this? You know, the church of Christ, the church of Christ can be translated today. I've got no right to say the Lord won't come today for his own, for the church of Christ. He may come today. He may tarry, I don't know. But I do know it says in the Bible, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. And at the end of your Bible, he said, Surely I come quickly. Are you ready? Do you trust the Savior? Because he may come for his own today. And then, my friend, when the church is gone, I do not want to be on the earth one, one second. That's when Antichrist will be reigning and ruling over the world. We speak more of this in our next lesson. The Lord bless you today. 
or his namesake. Tomorrow he comes for me. He comes, he comes. Tomorrow he comes for me. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.